If you haven't already, check out Necronomapod on CastBox, a top podcast app on iOS and Android with more than 28 million users worldwide. CastBox has a brand new way to find content you'll love. Just enter a keyword or phrase and the app searches the show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. Download CastBox today and see for yourself. Today we cover the abduction of Betty Andreessen. From UFOs to the Bible, this story features all of Ian and Dave's favorite things. We'll discuss what Betty claims happened to her on a night back in 1967. We'll examine how she first approached the aliens when they invaded her home and what she discovered when she was abducted onto their UFO. We'll discuss the testing that was done on her as well as everything she alleges to have seen while on the spacecraft. Also, we'll confuse ourselves with some interdimensional talk. And of course, no abduction story is complete without hypnosis. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought lint was the worst thing to ever enter a belly button, stick around. We're firing up the cringe meter tonight. This is Necronomapod. They uh, took me back to the cubicle where they told me to change into my regular clothes. And from there, I was escorted into this room that appeared like a quantum hut type room. Yeah, cylindrical. And within it were eight glass-like chairs, and they sat me down in the uh, one of the chairs to the right, and uh, this hood, glass-like hood, came down. I could hear it click around me, and then I felt very cold, as if I was freezing, and it seemed as if I was there for a very long time. And from there, I was taken and uh, put into another chair to the left, and again, this glass-like hood came down and sealed around me, and I could hear the snap and. They also put some tubes in my nose. So, uh, Mike, what did you think of the uh, Impossible Whopper? Thank you for asking, Dave. I'm glad that you care. (laughs) We're going to get the junk food talk out of the way uh, right away off the bat here. It's the best part of the show. That's what I look forward to the most, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Ian with the perfunctory, uh uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) Can we just move on and talk about aliens, please? Um, Yeah, so we just did a taste test at your house. Dave, with the uh, Impossible Whopper and the regular Whopper. Blind taste test. Blind taste test. Ian did not make it. I did not participate. Um, Dick. I It was blind taste test. I was able to tell the difference, but I thought the Impossible Whopper was pretty tasty. I could tell the difference as well, because Impossible does not taste like a hamburger. It does. It tastes a little off. It does not taste like a typical Whopper. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not terrible. But there were a few people in our group that, that got it wrong. They couldn't true. tell. Very disappointing. But I guess that's good for uh, the Impossible Whopper if you got some people out there that can't tell the difference. I would absolutely eat an Impossible Whopper again, I think. I would not be doing that. <laughs> How many people tried? Five. five. So what, two out of five? Did two not out of, get it right. Two out of five got it wrong. Three of us got it right. I guess that's good stats for Burger King. Yeah, I mean, plus it's Burger King, so it's terrible to begin well, with. That's all. We're not going down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> get me all fired up at the start here. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll make it short and sweet, but I uh, thought the Impossible Whopper was all right. It was tasty. Yeah. But if you want an actual Whopper, it doesn't do the job. Just get the real Whopper. Or just go get a Big Mac and mm, treat you yourself to something carb, good. Carbo load <laughs> and all that bread. All right, what are we talking about tonight, fellas? So tonight we're going to get into the uh, the abduction of Betty and Dreesen. And I'm just going to say it right off the bat. You, you guys are going to have to keep an open mind with this one because this... Uh, this is probably the wildest UFO abdu- alien abduction story. 
This this one says something else. <laughs> I already feel like he's uh, telling us that this stretches the limits of credibility if he's <laughs> advising we have to keep an open mind. It just it stretches the uh, reality dimensions. It's a it's a wild one. All right, I'm excited. We all know uh, how much Mike loved Betty Hill's abduction story. Yeah, going from one Betty to another. Yeah. You believe Travis Walton, right? That was Fire in the Sky? Yeah. Of all the ones we've looked at, I believe that one the most. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Let's take a deep dive. This uh, this abduction story, story is more commonly known as the Andreessen Affair, which is from the, 19, the title of the 1979 book written by Raymond Fowler. He just loves some alliteration with that one. What's that? He just loves some alliteration with that title, The Andreessen Affair. Yeah. You're a big alliteration guy. You love that stuff. I love alliteration. <laughs> Betty and Dreesen's alien abduction is right behind Betty and Barney Hill as far as being a go-to in the UFO community for, for credibility of the people involved in researching the case and the amount of research that was done. It's really thoroughly documented. Do we know why aliens are so fond of Bettys? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. It's a fair question, though. Betty's in the 60s. I don't know. Maybe that's why young girls aren't named Bet. Young girls. Maybe that's why <laughs> girls aren't named Betty anymore to prevent them from being uh, abducted. What year was Betty Hill? 60? 61? 61, I think. Okay. And this 61 is, or 62. This yeah, is what, 67? Yeah. We say? We'll get into it, I'm sure. So at the time of the abduction, Betty Andreessen was a married mother of seven living in a small town in Massachusetts called South Ashburnham. I guarantee I said that wrong, but I w- I'm, it's probably Ashburnham. Ashburnham. That's what I would go with. All right. She is a fundamentalist Christian, believing the Bible word for word. But it's worth noting that she's not an asshole about her beliefs. <laughs> so I mean, she's not pushy. She's not. She doesn't really. Um, it's like secondary to her that that it's part of the story, but it's not like. It's not this core thing that she pushes, right? She doesn't push mm-hmm. it. And it's not necessarily a core part of the story. R- right. Like it's that just, we're going to go through today. It's I like, disagree. I think it's a huge core part of the story. Well, I think it makes the story, in my opinion, it makes the story really interesting, her outlook on all this stuff because of that. See, um, I, I think this is red flag uh, number one. I mean, at the, the Bible? Of, at the risk of offending people, I don't really feel that people who believe the literal word of the Bible are credible in anything. So. All of a sudden, he's worried about offending people. <laughs> like if you Believing the Bible word for word is, is a little tough. Yeah. I it mean, shows you can't apply logic to the real world and come out with an accurate you know, representation of reality. In my humble opinion, <laughs> if you think a person can live inside of a whale for three days, then I'm going to question your ability to... I forgot about that. I heard that... that story in a long time yeah you should go home and read it i will tonight when i do my bible reading (laughs) well regardless she doesn't um she doesn't push this stuff out there it's not it's not a it's never a a part of her interviews that she's done like on coast to coast or anything like that okay point Um, taken she was on coast to coast a lot a bunch of times they're not worth listening to though and we'll, we'll get into that at the end Quick plug, our Patreon show coming out uh, next week, is it, on Halloween? It's yep. going to be, we're going back to Art Bell. So if you're not a patron, sign up. We're going to do an Art Bell part two on Halloween. Very exciting times. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm actually doing research for it. I don't ever do research for this shit. You are. 
So along with passing numerous polygraph tests, Betty Andreessen had some heavy hitters in the UFO community on her side as far as believing her. And most notably was Dr. J. Allen Hynek. So who's that? Is he a famous guy? Yeah, he's my uh, he's in my top three for for my UFO guys. Right. He makes Ian's Mount Rushmore of UFO guys. He does. <laughs> so Stanton Friedman, what is it? Uh, Hynek, and who else? Jacques, Jacques Fillet. Jacques Fillet, and who's the fourth? Is there a fourth? That's Ian himself. He's up yeah, on the, he's on the mountain. <laughs> It's Art Bell. He's Art in the Bell. middle. He's yeah. got his arms yeah. around him. You could put, yeah, throw Art Bell up there. That would it's be the Ian perfect. in the middle with his, yeah, he's right. just got in the yeah. other two, other two, the other faces just smile. on his shoulders. Yeah. He's just marking out, marking out for him. Not, uh, not what's his name? Who's the guy you don't like? Yeah, who's, who do you He's hate? probably like, uh, who's de- the guy dead laying like? on the ground in front of him. Oh, Philip Class. Philip Class, the true hero of all these stories. <laughs> yeah. The only one with any sense. <laughs> All right, talk about applying logic. This guy's like, these guys are fucking bums. We're going to get them all fired up. It's too early in the show, Dave. we got to save it. So we we talked about Stanton Friedman a lot so far in our Roswell episode and uh, the Area 51 episode. But now, like I said, this guy's in my top top three for for UFO guys. So let's get into uh, J. Allen Hynek. He was a PhD as an astrophysicist and was one of the head scientists to work on Project Sign, Project Grudge, and the one most people have heard of, Project Blue Book. Um, Those were the official government investigations into UFOs. And those were the only ones that we knew about until last year when Tom DeLonge blew the lid off all that. Say it ain't so. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a credible guy. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Is it easy to get a PhD in astrophysics? I don't think so. Uh, probably not. I no. I tried to watch. You tried to get a PhD in astrophysics? No, I I tried it's, to watch some YouTube videos about different dimensions <laughs> that were supposedly supposed to be easy, like right. well explained, and I felt like my eyes just like went. Like, <laughs> Ian bought astrophysiology for dummies, and he still failed. <laughs> you can, I can't even say PhD in astrophysiology, phys, astrophysicist, <laughs> let alone study it. I can't even say it. Math and science <laughs> both suck. I'm not trying to learn about those and whatever else is involved in this. <laughs> so when Blue Book was shut down in 1968, Heineck didn't stop looking into UFOs. While he worked on these projects over the years, like Stanton Friedman, Heineck flipped and became a believer in the phenomena. Which you figure a guy like that is looking for solid empirical evidence and for him to flip like you say right yeah it's the same must have seen something credible it's the same thing as that's the same thing stanton friedman did because stanton friedman's a nuclear scientist that was mm-hmm. working on top projects and stuff and after years of seeing things and hearing about stuff that's what his he became yeah. a believer well, that goes a long way so to Heineck, 95 percent of these cases could be explained or they were hoaxes but it was that extra five percent in the government's treatment of that 5% that changed his mind. As he continued his research, he founded uh, KUFOS, the Center for UFO Studies, and he fa- came up with the famous Close Encounters scale. We're back in acronym heaven. I love it. KUFOS. MUFOS. We talked about them on one of the episodes, I believe. KUFOS? I think so. I think that sounds yeah. familiar. They weren't the ones that were at war with Mufos. Mufon. No. Mufon. Mufon. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was NICAP. <laughs> NICAP. Yeah, yeah. NICAP. Dude, They're come at aggressive. me, Dave. I know it. <laughs> Kufos, Fufor, NICAP, Mufon. 
Didn't they come up with an anal probing uh, <laughs> acronym for Barney Hill? I can't remember. Never mind. <laughs> People should go back and listen to that episode and let yeah, us know. Then tell me what it was. Just briefly get into the Close Encounters scale that Heinick came up with. Close Encounters of the first kind, he put them as uh, visual sightings of unidentified flying objects seemingly less than 500 feet away that show an appreciable angular extension in considerable detail. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Close Encounters of the second kind, a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, um, animals reacting, a physiological event such as paralysis or uh, heat and discomfort in the witness or some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or chemical trace. And then close encounters of the third kind are UFO encounters in which an animated creature is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of the UFO. Did you guys ever see that movie, or is that way before your time? No, I've seen it. Steven Spielberg one. Yeah, Heineck advised him on this. I figured or on he that had on that. To do with it. Yeah, yeah he when advised him out? on that. Seventy-seven, I think. And it's Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Yes, I knew. I've heard of it. I just it's I a good movie. Yeah. It was really good. There's a lot of claims about that movie, like conspiracy stuff. That like looks, what? Like that movie is like legit and it was like put out there as like um, something to like ease people into the idea of it. Really? Like the government was like, let's put this out and yeah. see. Because Heineck really did advise Steven's. Star Wars also? <laughs> I don't know about Star Wars. <laughs> well, that's 100% real. <laughs> yeah. Word for word, like the Bible, right? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> For a while this this um the close encounter scale stayed at, at three tiers, but JL and Heineck eventually started working with another scientist named Jacques Vallée, and together they wrote a book called The Edge of Reality. Is with, that your favorite book of all time? Well, shout out to Kelsey because she found me a link to um to an ebook for it. Oh, because it was Kelsey. out of print, right? Haven't you been looking for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it's been out of print. It's like fucking like 80 to 100 dollars for a copy of it so damn shout out to kelsey for finding that for me nice job kelsey boom but so in this book and and working together they strayed away from stanton friedman's beliefs that ufos are are nuts and bolts machines coming from other planets and that more likely this is an interdimensional phenomena and this led to a new tier in the close encounter scale which is close encounters of the fourth kind that's detailed as a UFO event in which a human is abducted by a UFO or its occupants. Jacques Vallée specifically said that the fourth kind should refer to, quote, cases when witnesses experience the transformation of their sense of reality so as to also include non-abduction cases where absurd, hallucinatory, or dreamlike events are associated with UFO encounters. And that's 100% what we're going to be getting into tonight. Okay, I was just going to say, have we discussed anything that would be considered thus far a, a fourth encounter? Well, a, yeah, because that's kind? any abduction, oh. really. But he, Jacques Vallée is big in the um, the interdimensional stuff. And that's kind of what we're going to see with her, with Betty and Dreesen's stories. It's It's got a lot of this really, uh, what do I want to say? So maybe not an actual physical abduction. Right. They, I mean... At least part of it, maybe. Yeah, but it, that it could just be a psychic uh, mm-hmm. phenomena. Jacques Vallée is very a big proponent and, that this could 
a lot of this could be something just completely psychic. And that includes dimensional? Mm-hmm. So that's, you fucking lost me there. <laughs> like I said, I tried to watch a, video, a couple videos today on, on dimensional. I feel like I'd, lo- I'd like to do an episode on interdimensional travel, but I th- we would either put ourselves to sleep, be so confused we'd fuck up the whole story, or put our listeners to sleep. The only example that made sense to me, somewhat sense to me, was that if you put a rope and tied it to a mountain like miles away from you, you stood directly in front of that rope so it looked like a dot. To you, it looks like now it's one dimensional because of the distance between it and the way you're looking at it. And if you put an ant on that rope and it started to crawl away and eventually you can't see it anymore, it's because the earth is flat, (laughs) but it still looks one dimensional to you. Because the way you're looking at it and the right. ant's gone. But in reality, it's three-dimensional and that ant is there. <laughs> in other words, the dimensions are right in front of us, but we can't see them because we're accustomed to not looking at things in that way. Right. And okay. just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Because like mm-hmm. with the ant thing, you know the ant is there. You can't see it, but the ant is there. It's just perception mm-hmm. at that point. Okay. And then the other thing that I was... It's the best explanation <laughs> I've ever heard of it, so... Well, who's the who's the, the uh, scientist, the Asian guy? Michio, Dr. Kaku? Yeah. Michio Kaku? Yeah. I was watching a video with him trying to explain it, and it was way more confusing. His was supposedly easy as well, but... I would need to pause it like every sentence and like really think about what he said and then move on to the next sentence and figure it all out. Probably what he said, he says his theory with string theory is that there's 11 dimensions and that's because once the formula or the calculation gets up to once it goes, tries to go past 11, he said it collapses on itself. He said you can get it pushing 15, but it all the formula always collapses back down to 11. See, like Spinal Tap. These go to 11. <laughs> now that guy had some good Arbel episodes. Yeah. That guy is great. Yeah. What's his name? Michio Kaku. Michio. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is my vague understanding. So maybe we'll do our dimensional episode through Art Bell. Not a bad idea. Yeah, maybe. Anyways. In some other right. dimension, Art Bell's still alive doing the show right now. See, that's a whole other thing See, I have yeah, questions I mean, about. Once you get to, according to what I watched today with Michikaku and and uh, some other stuff, is that once you, if you got to the the eleventh, yeah, the eleventh dimension, literally anything is possible at that point. Interesting. All different types of future, everything is possible at that point. Um. Let the record show also that <laughs> I don't write. I write these summaries that I read at the beginning of every episode before we record. I don't write them after. And I made it very clear we were going to have confusing conversation about <laughs> interdimensional whatever. And I nailed it. Yeah. Knew we'd get, knew we'd get there. Onward and upward. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I feel like you want to, though, a little bit. You want to pontificate about some dimensions. But the only other thing that I saw that made any type of sense to me was the 2D and, or the, yeah, the 2D and the second dimension and the fourth dimension was that on the second dimension, anything living in there would be flat like paper because it's only okay. a two dimensional thing. So, and if we slipped into their dimension, all, their line of sight would be just a line. 
So all they would, it was like the example was like your hand passing through their dimension. Mm -hmm. They would just start by seeing your finger and it would just go. But then the fourth dimension is like, it said, imagine yourself a minute ago and then yourself right now. And there would be a line in between you. Mm. So if something came, if you saw something or something came in from the fourth dimension, it would be able to shift its age you know, it'd be able to look like it did before when it first came in or before. It's a, I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot about this uh, compared to everyone in this room. Yeah, it was, it Unless was getting you a got, little did intense. You, did you get all that? No, not no. really. I was really trying to understand it because I don't under... As soon as people start talking about dimensions, my brain shuts off. It yeah. reminds me of Interstellar. Yeah. When he's in the behind the bookcases and shit like that. That's how I visualize that stuff. Is that the Matt Damon movie where he's in space? Yeah, well, yeah, but Matthew McConaughey and oh, maybe McConaughey, Matt Damon, and Matt Damon, right? I believe so. He was the guy on the planet when they eventually got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you oh. ever seen that? It's, I remember seeing it's the awesome. Story. That's a great movie. Also, my stupid ass didn't know that a tesseract was an actual shape and that it wasn't just something from the Avengers movie. Oh. Wait, a what? Is a a tesseract. What kind of shape is that? If what we see as a cube came from the fourth dimension, it would look like a tesseract. Which is what? Like this really crazy ass looking shape. But it wouldn't. Mm. Like we could look at a picture of a tesseract, but we're still seeing it in the third dimension. Or you look at a picture, it's actually you're seeing it in 2D. Mm -hmm. If it it came through, it would be like bending and weird looking. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that that was an actual shape. I thought it was just the hmm. fucking glowing cube from uh, from the Avengers movies. I don't think you need to beat yourself up too much over that one, man. Is that from Endgame? I think in the first one, I oh, think it's what one? they're... Remember Loki's once the Tesseract? Spoiler alert, man. Well, if you haven't seen the first one at this point... <laughs> I don't remember. <sighs> I don't love those movies. I don't know. I like anything that Tony Stark's in just because I love Robert Downey yeah, Jr. yeah. So Betty and Dreesen. All right, yeah. So <laughs> thirty minutes later, we're <laughs> I'm, back. A, I'm, a, yeah. No more science talk. No more science. We're just gonna, gonna get into this. So with with her story, um, like with most alien abductions, she had a vague memory of what happened, but couldn't piece everything together. One day, while reading the National Enquirer, she saw an ad for alien abduction stories. So she she sent hers in what she remembered. And they refused her story. What year are we in now, though? We are in we are in the seventies at this point. We're like, in seventy four. So seven years after the fact. Yeah, it's, it seems kind of odd. So for seven years, she's just had like this vague memory that this may have happened to her. Yeah, or she's certain it happened to her, but just couldn't remember the details. Well, she's certain about the beginning of it, and we'll get into it okay. that her dad did see. The beginning of it as well. Okay. Um, and he seems like a very credible guy. We'll kind of get into his story a little bit. Yeah. They turned it down because from what she could remember, it seemed like a pretty cut and dry alien abduction story. They were looking for some crazy shit to put in there, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, Betty Hill already did all this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, she saw an ad in the newspaper for Kufos and decided to contact them with her story. And J. Allen Hynek is completely honest in that he tossed her story aside in his uh, in his pile of stuff that he considered absolute bullshit. And he's pretty he's pretty harsh about about that fact. To hmm. be honest, he's not a 
Doesn't sugarcoat it? No, not at all. It's like a really, he, it's got like this, a really dry, um, just like a scientist personality, mm-hmm. just very blunt. I don't think no he, humor whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think he has he cancer of the funny bone. I think, Dave, <laughs> like much like us, we suffer from that ailment. I don't. I mean, he's not. I don't think he means to be an asshole, but but yeah, he's very blunt in that he thought she was full of shit. But upon looking at it a second time, he felt someone should take a look at it, so he sent it over to Mufon because at this time in the seventies, abduction cases were more of still more of a Mufon thing. And Hynek was really only interested in the, like the real raw data of things. Like he was doing this whole interdimensional stuff with Jacques Vallée, but he really, what he really wanted was evident. He wanted raw data mm-hmm. and and something that he could really, you know, try and dissect scientifically. He didn't want to do shit work. He's like those those fuckers that move on. I'll, <laughs> yeah, let I'll them make do them that do shit. <laughs> I'm a astrophysicist. All right. They're the janitors who are masquerading as <laughs> UFO experts. <laughs> Nothing against janitors. Apologies. <laughs> they keep things clean, man. That they do. So once MUFON was on board and Hynek was kind of assisting from the from the sideline, they found hypnotist Dr. Harold J. Edelstein and conducted a fourteen session, a year-long fourteen session study on Betty and Driesen, which is one of the most detailed abduction accounts to come out of uh hypnosis therapy that's a long time it's about the same amount of time as betty and barney hill oh was it i don't Mm -hmm. remember being that long yeah about the same well mike hypnosis is science so it takes a while to get it right Um, i'm sure i guess i guess so (laughs) it's not just some quackery you can get done in an afternoon are we doing this now let's let's get into this what they discover first (laughs) this is what she remembers this first bit is what she remembers and her father remembers Wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. Did he also have just a vague memory of this, or did he remember he d- it the same way she did? He remembers this part the same way she does, but he remembers nothing after that. Okay. It was just like they woke up. It's it's worth noting with him that he was very um he was against all of this coming out with any of this. He was um because he's a guy and guys are rational. Well, <laughs> <laughs> kidding. You're gonna get heat for that. Yeah, Barney Hill was against it too. <laughs> exactly, and he's the one that got not would he anally probed and had his semen sucked out of him, not in the good way. Yeah, they just took it out of him. They didn't. It's true. Yeah, he didn't. I don't even know how that how the aliens pulled Without that off. Without the benefit of an orgasm, I believe that was the that was opener of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but her her father was a uh, a Finnish immigrant, like this really old school sounding guy, mm-hmm. and he made like a little statement about the aliens that he saw, and he said he was quoted saying they looked like Halloween freaks, is, is what he oh said. Wow. Um, but you can't say that nowadays. <laughs> Halloween freaks, yeah, about aliens get offended. <laughs> Fucking snowflakes. <laughs> but he uh. Yeah, he was very against all of this. Her coming out with any of this, her doing hypnosis or anything. He was like, yeah, this happened. It was super fucking scary from what I can remember. And let, we just, I, let's just forget about it. It was kind of his... Kind of like Barney Hill. Barney Hill was like, yeah. hey, Betty, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to forget that this yeah, shit like ever happened. Yeah, I just want to go on with my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I would probably do the same thing. I don't know. Well, he'd be fucking writing a book about the damn thing. He's going to go chase him down. I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't want this happening. But I mean, I guess if you don't remember and they have to quote bunny ears, hypnotize you to get the information out. 
That would be a good live show thing if we ever do a live show. Just get a hypnotist to come on and. But if I'm not hypnotize taking it, like if, if I don't believe though, I don't think it's going to work. She didn't it. believe in it either. She she was quoted in the beginning in the book. They talk about that she thought that. But what like what? hypnosis and stuff was like the work of the devil. Hmm. Of course she did. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being. She didn't believe in it at all. But then no, no, because I'd kind of be nervous that not that I'd be wrong. But that I would go like be under spell, and then what the fuck they're gonna bring out of me? Like I don't know what what they're gonna dig up. I don't need to get into that dark side. But it's not real though. How could that possibly? But happen? It, I, but even if it is, <laughs> I'm more afraid of what I'll end up saying. Like maybe some past traumatic experience that I have no idea or recollection happened, and all of a sudden I'm gonna be crying and going ape shit like <laughs> Barney Hill did, and the poor guy died a few weeks years later. Yeah, I would not enjoy that either. Especially on stage. Jesus. It'd be horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably agree to do that. For a live show, I would do it. We need some kind of... we got to sell tickets, pal. It is fun. I've been to those comic, uh, you know, comedic hypnosis where they get people from but, the audience. But that's a work, right? Like, that shit's not real. No, I don't believe it is. It's not. It's real. Even, like, the hokey, like, cruise ship hypnotists. We're believing that. The show I went to... One of the people we went with was up on stage, and they swear it was it wasn't a put on. They were up there rapping in Chinese, and it was insane. <laughs> See, like, no, come on. She's like ching a chong, ching chong a chong. <laughs> so she wasn't actually speaking Chinese. Well, no, it doesn't, well, it doesn't was, make you learn a new language in five minutes. You said she was rapping Chinese. Wow. No, it just makes you remember things that you don't remember happening. That's still weird to me. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know, man. Well, that's a different. If you're saying that, like hypnotic, well, I'm regression. talking about like what they're doing here. Yeah, re- re- that's regression therapy. This, yeah. like this hip- mm-hmm. hypnosis method. But recalling stuff versus implanting memories that didn't happen—that's a whole separate thing. If you're thinking that, no, well, I agree. Separate things. I I don't know if I call bullshit on all of it or just some of it. Have not done my due diligence research yet. We gotta do a whole show <laughs> on hypnosis. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens here. Yeah. So on the evening of January 25th, 1976, Betty's seven kids were playing with their grandfather, which was Betty's father, and watching Bozo the Clown while Betty was in the kitchen. As they were watching the TV, the power went out in the house. As they walked around looking for a flashlight, they noticed a pink light start shining in through the kitchen window. Betty and her father walked over to the window where they saw where the light was coming from, and they said that they saw four small human-like figures approaching the house. All of a sudden, the pink light went out, and the whole family was frozen. However, they were standing like just in, in like mid movement; they were all frozen except for Betty. So that's a wild scene, and that's where her memory ends. That's where it's done. Okay. So everything else going forward is coming out of hypnosis. So her vague recollection of that night was stopped right here right okay so in hypnosis she said that the air was completely dead there were like no sounds nothing i imagine it like like just like all the dust and like a movie time standing still yeah like just everything froze like the twilight zone where the guy found the watch that he could stop time oh yeah yeah. that one Mm mm-hmm so she said that the four beings walked single file through the kitchen door without opening it and entered the house this is kind of why I brought up that fourth dimension thing about your former self and your right now self because it looks like a worm almost, like the the example of it. And that's kind of what she said they looked like. They, they were like stuttering, 
like there were reflections of them passing through the dimension like they were when they were passing through the door it was like how do i want to say it you saw her drawing right the one i sent you where they were like single file and there was like Mm -hmm. like you could see like the phases of them moving forward like we'll have to post that picture yeah as betty described these beings they were pretty much your standard gray they're around three feet tall big heads black almond shaped eyes and they were wearing shiny blue suits so pretty well dressed little grays i like it maybe it's one of those nice blue suits they stole from uh, barney hill wasn't he a sharp dresser that's what they always said but they're similar i mean pretty much the same thing as betty and barney hills i think they said black suits or that the one in charge was wearing black and the other ones wearing blue but she said that they each had what looked like the symbol of a bird printed on the sleeve of their suit also, like with Betty and Barney Hill, she said that one of them seemed to be the one in charge, and this one was a foot taller than the other three. Damn. Tall people are always in charge, even even the aliens. Yeah. I guess that's the way of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, reminds me that we uh, we skipped midget wrestling tonight to record the show. So. Fuck, that's right. We did. We've been trying to go it's to that for like three years. Mm-hmm. Fans come first. You guys remember that? Yeah, I can Don't be drinking, we watching midgets getting thrown around the wrestling ring right Don't now. Don't say we never do anything for you guys, because <laughs> goddamn. So the taller one was the only one that spoke to her, and it said that its name was Quasga. And you would think that Betty would be like super scared at this point, you know. And these four aliens are now standing in her kitchen. It's uh, you know, it's fucking crazy a little unsettling at least yeah but her mind went straight to the bible and she fully thought that these aliens were angels and immediately started to think of uh scripture on what to do in this situation and she went with this is it i'm being tested (laughs) this is the lord (laughs) she went with uh hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 quote do not forget to show hospitality to strangers For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So in her mind, it was like, I need to show these angels hospitality. And the best way she could come up with that in her head was to offer them food. So that's exactly what she did. And this is a first for our stories. Yeah. Yeah. This is cooking aliens dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Like not being afraid, thinking, okay. I think that's what... um, Throughout this whole thing, I think that's the most interesting part of this is that every other credible alien abduction story, everybody was t- absolutely terrified the whole time. We'll, we'll get into it later, but I think that's a big thing with this story. If it, if this is 100% real, why it went as far as it went is because she wasn't afraid at all. She did, didn't even enter her mind that these were aliens throughout this whole experience. Even mm. looking at these little fucking grays. What the fuck did an angel aliens. look like? I don't know. I thought an angel looked like uh, like long flowing robes <laughs> and hair with uh, like a bow and arrow and trumpets. No, and Dave, you're wrong. An angel looks like Britney Spears. <laughs> Aw, that's so sweet of me. <laughs> oh, boy. A tone deaf angel, maybe. Well, now, you, now you're insulting an angel. So Hebrews 13, 2 to you, bro. <laughs> So Betty went to the refrigerator and grabbed like a big hunk of of beef. I don't know, it sounded like a roast or something, and put it on the skillet. And then the tall alien Quasga told her, "quote We cannot eat food unless it's burned." 
So she just rolled with it and started burning the beef. <laughs> and when it started smoking, like when it actually started burning, there's smoke coming up. The aliens started, she said that the aliens started acting nervous, like visibly nervous. Like they didn't understand what was going on. Like what the, right. I don't know if it's like the sound of it sizzling and the smoke, like yeah, kind of freaked them out a little bit. And that's when Quasga said, quote, that is not our kind of food. Our food is tried by fire. Knowledge tried by fire. Do you have any food like that? Oh, metaphorical food. That's what they want. Yeah. Knowledge. They need knowledge. I completely misread that and took it the different way. Oh. I thought they meant they needed it cooked over fire. <laughs> and when they, because they had said they wanted it burnt. So I thought by burnt, they meant they want it cooked by fire. So with that, Betty grabbed the one thing that she, the knowledge in her mind that was 100% the Bible. Of course. And she went and grabbed her daughter's Bible off the end table and handed it to Quasga. Quasga then handed her a little blue book. And according to Betty, um, the alien, he put his hand over the Bible and then other Bibles appeared in the other alien's hands. Oh, Bible duplication uh, machine. That's exactly what we need <laughs> in the world. As they turned the pages, she said that, um, that they like, glowed white. And when the aliens were done with the Bible, Betty said she looked around at, at her family all frozen and started to get a little a little scared. Like, we were kind of realizing, like... Hey, maybe these aren't some goddamn angels. Yeah, like, maybe, like, I've, okay, I've been, like, just kind of realizing, like, the gravity of everything going on at the moment. Yeah, like, my family's frozen and I'm in here cooking a slab of beef. <laughs> a little irresponsible, buddy. <laughs> So she asked them what they wanted, and Quasga replied, quote, to help, and asked if she would follow them. Is this communication implied to be telepathic, or is he actually speaking? I think he's actually speaking hmm. in this story. Okay. So she kept asking questions like, "What? where do you want me to follow you? Is my family okay? Stuff like that. He would only ask her to follow them. So finally, she agreed and just like the aliens entered the house, she followed them in a single file through the kitchen door. So she passed through the door now with them. That's wild. Mm -hmm. When they got outside, Betty described your pretty standard oval-shaped UFO. Um, and once underneath the craft, Quasga raised his left hand and they were all levitated inside. Just like our shirt. Exactly. Like that. There it exactly is. Nice. Like it. Mm -hmm. We'll be returning soon, merchandise. Once on the craft... Betty said that she felt she felt weightless and sick and that her hands and legs felt like they were asleep. Oh, that's the worst. And that's another common, you know, now a common abduction thing. I mean, back back then, this was none of this was common. It was new. This was new. But now that's a pretty common. You just feel like your hmm, your whole body's asleep or whatever. You know, it's terrible. Like when you wake up in the middle of the night and your arms asleep. Have you guys ever woke up in the middle of the night with both arms like completely asleep yeah i think so yeah probably. i did it once them behind my head and usually when one's asleep like you could move one like with your other hand when they're both asleep and i just tried to like sit up and they, <laughs> like just flop them back down to the side of me it's terrible the end <laughs> did you recover I, every now and then i you know maybe when we get hypnotized i'll get back into the I'll ptsd it and we'll talk about my experience maybe i was abducted that night maybe. who knows We'll see if I start crying and if semen was extracted from my body. <laughs> Interdimensional Mike. There it is. <laughs> I like it. Take my semen now while it's still good. 
<laughs> Couple more weeks. So Quasga and the other aliens left the room. After a couple minutes, two other aliens came in and guided her to the center of the room where beams of light came out of the ceiling and were like, they came out of the ceiling and were shining onto her. When she asked what it was, they said it was for, quote, cleansing. Mm. And next they asked her to change out of her clothes uh, into a white one-piece outfit. Like a nice jumpsuit? Yeah. I was thinking a nice one-piece bathing suit. Well, okay. (laughs) Then she was led to a room that was lit up bright white, and she was placed onto a silver table that was in the middle of the room. Once on the table, she said she was completely paralyzed. First, a long, thin needle was placed up into her nose, and she said when this needle was placed into her left nostril, as it was going up, eventually she felt something pop. And when the needle was pulled out, there was something small and round on the end of it that wasn't there when the needle went in. So this is kind of like the first hint that this might have not been the first time she had been abducted. That they were pulling an old bug out of her? Yeah, like an implant or something. Mm. That's fucking gross. Download all the data it's been collecting (laughs) on her. And all the snot that's covering her. (laughs) The next test was a needle that was placed into her belly button. She said that this one hurt really bad. She said that they moved the needle around inside her stomach like they were looking for something. This is horrible. Yeah, (laughs) this stuff makes me really woozy. It's like in the Matrix when they're pulling the bug out of uh, Neo's stomach. Yeah. I can't stay awake for those movies. Well, and that's like we were talking about before we were recording they put her under two different types of um, hypnosis for these for a lot of this, which one was like, tell me how like she's watching it happen to herself. And then the first person view. So a lot of this is like what she's looking at, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, from what I took for this. But in the first person during this stuff, she was like yelling and pain and stuff. Yeah, like, I bet. Like kind of like how Barney Hill was all freaked out and, mm-hmm. and stuff. crying. Yeah. Um, she said that they waved their hands over her, and this this caused the pain to stop. Yeah. And that's kind of another running thing now since this story, you know. Did they did they clap and like Mr. Miyagi? And no, they make just the like pain? Or just, just like kind of <laughs> hover their hand over you. Like <laughs> after the needle was pulled out of her stomach, the aliens walked to the other side of the room and looked like they were uh, discussing something. And when they came back, they told her that something was wrong. And she knew right away what they were talking about because she had a hysterectomy that was done a few years earlier. Because they were like, something's wrong, something's missing. She from ruined you. everything. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do those hybrids. Yeah. So no anal probe then? She didn't have the... She had a hysterectomy. Oh, well, she no, still got an anal probe. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? Well, <laughs> I thought that was kind of complimentary with an abduction. <laughs> It's like one thing you have to look forward yeah, that's to. That's the gold standard, man. Right. <laughs> it's like going to like a buffet and they don't have a chocolate fountain. What's the point of going to the buffet if you don't? They don't have the chocolate fountain. I guess so. I was. I don't have a lot of buffets, so I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah, I mean, I've never ate at a buffet that had a chocolate chocolate fountain. fountain. Who were we just talking about that with buffets? Uh, Jared, our buddy from Just Brew Coffee, mm-hmm. he goes, you can tell a lot about a buffet when you, if you go up to their ice cream, their soft serve machine right away. If it comes out like thick and, and good, like good ice cream, it's a good buffet. If it comes out all watery and soupy, just pack up and leave because it's a shit buffet. It's ice milk. 
Yeah, if ice they can't afford real yeah. ice cream. Get the fuck out right. of there. So right. he sets that as the uh, the bar. I'll keep it. And we mind. know their standards are high at Jesper Coffee. <laughs> They've raised them tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a new shirt. I, I got abducted and all I got was this lousy t-shirt, but no anal probe. <laughs> as long as we stay away from the belly button probing. <laughs> After they were done with the whole, with the testing, she said, also, she also said that like this like eye looking thing came down and like scanned over her. Um, and then after that, she was levitated off the table and allowed to put her regular clothes back on. And this is where you, the abduction stories usually end. It's usually you're abducted, tested, and it's over. But this is like kind of just the beginning of, of Betty and Dreesen's story. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology beard oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. After getting dressed, Betty was taken into another room that had four clear chairs. When she sat down... Wait, like... The color was clear or they're clear no one was sitting on them? <laughs> no, like they were clear. Like they were either made of like glass or plastic. <laughs> Glad we clarified that. <laughs> it's a clear chair. Yeah, but they just they, assumed like they were clear looking, like you could see through it. Yeah, like they were looked like oh, a normal chair, just like glass or, making sure. or plastic. Like this table. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I imagine that'd be cold. Right? Yeah. So when she sat down, this sort of like bubble surrounded her and she was told that it was going to fill with liquid but it was more like um like it came over like this like it was like a tube almost that came over her and then it like like shrunk like almost like um like vacuum seal kind of stuff okay like real close to her body and then she said as that came down tubes went into her nose and in her mouth and then the enclosure that was around her, this tube thing, started to fill with a blackish gray thick liquid. And then she said that another type of thick liquid started flowing through the, the mouth tube and it was like going down her throat. And she said it tasted like cough syrup. Huh. So you would assume, or at least researchers assume, that this, if this is all true, that this was like something to protect her from either space travel or interdimensional travel interesting mm-hmm. wonder how much she ingested yeah i don't know it sounds disgusting yeah. it doesn't sound like a, a great experience after what she said felt like a short time the liquid drained she opened her eyes and the, these tubes were removed from her mouth and her nose and she said that the aliens were now wearing black hoods over their head and again they asked her to follow them they left the craft and traveled through a tunnel. So we're out. We're not in the UFO anymore. We're into either this is now a different dimension, which it sounds like it to me. And I know like Jacques Vallée and Hynek believe that this is a different dimension is what she's talking about. So we're not in the UFO anymore. Betty said that this tunnel looked like it was carved out of stone and there were entrances for other tunnels along the walls like this one that they were traveling down was the main tunnel and she said they were going down like this black uh like it was a black conveyor belt kind of thing that they were it was just airport gimmick yeah people mover (laughs) what'd you call a people mover people mover like at the airport yeah and then you get those people who have to walk briskly by you 
They can't just like stand there. And well, you got to stay to the right if you're not walking fast. Well, I understand, but <laughs> if you're going to walk fast, just get off the conveyor belt, dude. Take the the land route right next to us. Oh, I'm like one of those assholes. I just stand there. I don't even. Walk. Me too. That's why I take that thing, so I don't have to walk. Yeah, I just stand. Like, I do there. stand to the right. What's it? What do you care what everyone else does? It's just if you're going to walk, why even go on the thing? Just walk briskly on the other side. Why are you worried about what everyone else is doing? Because it's just, I have to look at them. And it's like, you know what? Fuck you, pal. I hope you miss your flights. You probably do miss it because you're you're on the left and they're stuck behind you. Oh, I I go spread my legs wide, have my bag there. I'm like, what are you going to do, bro? Sorry. I know you don't have any weapons on you because you just got checked at the gate. So whatever. I hope there's a mechanical issue and they have to sit there for two hours just for that jackass. Man, it's rough. I don't travel much. <laughs> I don't I don't like travel. So at the end of this tunnel, as they were approaching the end of it, she said it looked like a like a liquid mirror type uh, like portal at the end of this thing. Like it looked like a mirror, but it was like moving. Like again in the Matrix when he when he yeah. sticks his hand into the into that mirror and it kinda I wonder if the Matrix Matrix like took some of her story. It sounds like it. As they pass through, when they pass through this, uh, this like mirror liquid portal thing, she said everything was covered in a quote, vibrating red light. I picture it and how she describes it is like, if this dimension had a sun, the sun was red. Kind of, like everything was just red light. Like if the light bulbs in here were red, you know what yeah. I mean? Like pulsing? Yeah. She said it like she could feel. In hypnosis, this is, you know, she said that she could, like, feel, like, this vibration. And, yeah, so I know we touched on it earlier when we were making jokes, but this is all coming out through the hypnosis. She did not recollect any of this. Right. Prior to the hypnosis. That was a a 14-session, year-long process. Yeah. And, I mean, and I summed this up like I'm telling a story. Right. You know what I mean? Right, that's why I just wanted to clarify. Like, in, in the... In the book, the book is just nothing but uh, pretty much is just transcripts from mm-hmm. from the thing. So they're just asking questions like, oh, well, what do you see? You know, and she's like, everything's red and yeah. stuff like that. When you come out of these hypnotic regression sessions, do you actually remember it as a memory now? Or do you have to go back and listen to what the tapes produced during your sessions so to hear what you what you recalled? Or is it case by case? Yeah. Well, it's theory. how the doctor does it because for the beginning of Betty and Barney Hill, it was all kept confidential. So, the, and they wouldn't remember anything, any of their memories from during that. Right. So that they couldn't talk to each other and like come up with a, a difference, you know. What do you mean it was. So, like he. So, he so they don't in, remember what they said and then the doctor didn't tell them so that he could go about. Right. So, in their cases, they did not remember what they were saying. No. Did she? Do we know? So when she snapped out of it, she was like, oh, that's my story. I don't think so. Not until the very end to keep it all to keep it all like credible. You know what I mean? So she couldn't get anything else inside of her mind and like expand. Like you would stuff. start to embellish on the story if you got partway there. Your right. mind would automatically try to finish the rest and it wouldn't be real. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess right. if you're going to do it, that, that makes sense if you're going to do it. Because yeah. that that's yeah. when Barney Hill officially became a believer, if we remember, because at the end of theirs, he, they were given the tapes and the doctor's like, you know, if you want to listen to this, you can listen to it. If not, then, you know, I understand. And Barney listened to what he was saying and that freaked him the fuck out to hear himself like yeah. getting scared like right. that. Hmm. Yeah, those were terrifying tapes. Like he was freaking yeah. out. Oh, yeah. He was very scared. Well, Mike, you wouldn't have listened to it. You don't ever listen to the show. 
We listen to him here in studio. <laughs> we listen to him here in studio. No, I mean, if you got hypnotized, you wouldn't go back and listen no. to your own tapes because you don't even listen to the show. You don't like to listen to it. I Nope, I wouldn't want to hear myself talk, let alone if I was like Barney <laughs> Hill freaking out. like, <laughs> Take it out of my ass. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I know you got abducted, but don't act like a bitch about it. <laughs> that was harsh. I, li- I like Barney Hill. Yeah, Barney didn't do anything. If I had to rank my heroes of Necronomapod thus far, my Mount Rushmore, I'm going to have Mr. Muggs. <laughs> Goes without saying. Art Bell, Barney Hill, and Philip Class. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I can't think of who my fourth would be. That's funny. I don't know who my fourth would be yet. Maybe Olivia Wilde, because I had no interest in her until we did this show. Now, all of a sudden, there she's you go. there. So, there it is. Muggs, Bell, Barney Hill, Olivia Wilde. There you go. So like we were saying, everything was like this vibrating red light. And she said that they were buildings, but no plant life to be seen anywhere. Like it was just this really vast land and they, they, and just what she described as like normal looking buildings, but not no uh, no trees or anything like, like a that. town, like a downtown type. Yeah, but just no Which with um, no trees of any kind, right or grass or anything. And she said that there are these humanoid beings standing outside of um of some of these buildings, they had really long arms and legs. And she said that it didn't, they didn't look like they had heads. Like they looked like they had really big eyes. And then that was it. They didn't have, there wasn't really a head. There were just eyes. And she said that these things, she compared them to monkeys. She said that they were climbing all over the buildings like monkeys. This is the scariest part of this whole story. (laughs) This is really terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. Well, and she said that, she was very afraid and like didn't want to like even look at these things. And she said that the four aliens that were with her with their hoods up kind of didn't either. And she got the impression that we'll see when she gets through this next portal that they take their hoods off. And she interpreted it as that these hoods were like something to like not make eye contact with mm. these things or something. Like she felt like they were also they afraid of her them. walk through all willy nilly without any protection. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it cloaked them or something. And it, these maybe beings couldn't detect them. So as they as they traveled along, they came upon another mirror like portal. And when they went through this one, everything turned green. And she said that this this was this area was beautiful. A lot of plants. And like I said, the aliens took off the hoods that they had been wearing. And off in the distance, she said she could see what looked like a city, um, but around them were pyramids that, for some reason, were different than ours. But she couldn't like really place it as as to what was different about them. The she, pyramids were the different. The pyramids were different than, like mm. they didn't. There was something off about them, not like the pyramids in Egypt here okay. or things. But she couldn't really describe why she felt that they were different. Was the point on the bottom? Was that what it was? <laughs> Upside down. <laughs> as they were, as they kept moving, she said that there were a bunch of crystals in this blinding light with a huge bird coming out of it. She said this bird was like, kind of looked like an eagle. That's the best way she could describe it. She says they got closer. This this light and this bird, it was like putting off this really like hot heat, like painfully hot. And then all of a sudden she said this light just like took up everything and the bird was gone and all that was left was a pile of gray ashes. It's like a phoenix. Yeah. And that's, Hmm. yeah, 
and it's interesting with her religious background and the symbolism of some of this stuff and everything. And I like I don't want to say she's stupid or anything, but I I don't think that her lifestyle and her that she would have been able to come up with this story on her own. Hmm. She doesn't seem like someone that would be able to come up with this story after this book came out that's a different story and we'll talk about that but up until this point to me this seems like just a mixture of i don't know bible stories and the wizard of oz and 50s sci-fi movies just pulling pieces and parts together to construct this this story and then what like just making it straight up or having just like a real bad dream one night i don't know maybe either or it's a pretty long dream though so from this from this pile of ashes came out this huge gray worm and this loud disembodied voice started talking to Betty and she referred to this voice as quote the one. I think that this stuff with the the one and all this is she still I mean she's interpreting this whole thing as this is this is a religious experience to her at this point still. I mean this has never changed from that these aliens are mm-hmm. angels this worm is in this disembodied voice is God talking to her to me when I read a lot of this stuff too with the aliens because there's points in her thing where she at when the aliens were like asking her to follow follow them she was like I'll follow you if you're of God like if you if you are of God you know I'll follow you and to me like in my mind I imagine as the aliens are like sure lady yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're sure thing God yeah. love that guy <laughs> yeah. sure we're thing. him whatever you whatever you say <laughs> Um, They're like, this is fucking easier than we thought, guys. Let's just start telling everyone we're God. It's not like Christians are easy to suck or anything or get them. Uh, oh, get boy. They'll send you money or, you know. Yeah, just their luck when they go try to abduct Dave. We're God. And he's like, fuck you. Get out of my house. So, like I said, she interpreted that she was still interpreting this whole scenario as angels and this voice is now potentially God speaking to her is the way she sees it. When she asked if this voice was God, it replied, quote, in time you shall see. And then she was taken back the way she came. They passed through the green area, passed the pyramids, went back through that scary ass red world and the aliens put their hoods back up and then got back to the craft. She was then sat in the the clear chairs again with the whole uh, liquid and tubes in her mouth and nose thing. When they arrived back at her house, like they like this craft landed in her backyard, Quasga put his his hands on her and said, "Quote, child, you must forget for a while." And then she said, "This is like really dream state kind of thing." She said his face changed and it almost looked like a bee. Like his whole face changed, and antennas came out from above his eyes. And then when his face changed back, Betty was taken inside by three other greys where her family was still frozen the same as before. God damn. Yeah, they were just chilling this whole time. Man. But Talk knows? about your arms going to sleep. Yeah, seriously. I would have had a pee 54 times in the course of the story. <laughs> but who knows? Because when I was looking at the dimensions thing, like if they went into a different dimension, like if they went to the fourth or fifth dimension, especially the from what I was looking like, the fifth and sixth dimensions where time really gets like real fucking weird. But this could have only been like a couple seconds to her mm-hmm. family, you know what I mean? It had been like this long journey to her. Just like Inception. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The fifth and, from what I was reading or when I was watching that stuff, the fifth and sixth dimension is when it starts getting real fucking wild with like time and 
coordinates to where you are on that timeline and stuff. It gets really weird. It is cool stuff to think about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Until you get a headache. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I'm, I have a headache just listening to you guys talk about it. I don't know if I want to dig into that. So they led her to her bed. And then the next morning, she and the rest of her family woke up like nothing ever happened. Um, all that was remembered was that the power went out, uh, the pink light, and Betty and her father saw the four aliens in the background. And like we said before, her her father was really against all this uh, hypnosis stuff. He was like, you know, yeah, I saw him. It scared the shit out of me, but let's just fucking forget that this ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. So that's her. That's that's <laughs> Betty's initial story. That's the initial one. That's the initial th- one. Things get a little kooky after. Things get a little strange with Betty after that. As far as regarding this. So that was just the one year of regression uh, hypnosis. Right. Regarding this story, she's passed numerous polygraph tests. Really all that proves, though, is that she believes what she's saying. Yeah, right. You know. She also believes every word of the Bible. Yes. So... (laughs) This might be like the one. Point. This might be like the one time in my life that I defend somebody <laughs> that believes the Bible word for word. I mean, and that's all there is with alien abduction things: is lie detector tests and hypnosis regression. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have a videotape of your abduction, right? And if this this whole thing is like with the whole dimensional thing, I I don't even think anybody else would be able to even see this happening like you could say i've seen some skeptics say well if this ufo was in her backyard people would have seen it and stuff i think at that point when she's obviously something is if this is all true obviously something has changed to her in her reality that she's able to now pass through a door so i don't even think anybody outside in the outside world would even be able to see any of this happening based on the whole string with the ant theory i just i don't know about all this there is some corroborating evidence, though. Like that night, there actually was a power outage in that area and stuff. And or her, what was it? Her husband had been in a car accident, so her parents were actually staying with her that night. Right. Like a lot yeah. of circumstantial evidence backing up. Yeah. 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 Her. I would think it was like a, like instead of like six days before Christmas or something, her husband was in a bad car mm-hmm. accident. Regarding this story, she has some really credible people like J. Allen Hynek and stuff that fully believe her. I think there, in my mind at least, there has to be something there to cause a guy like that to believe in this. And what, was there any one thing that really hooked him on her story? I think the hypnosis regression stuff. And then Um, just everything she kind of said after that though. There wasn't like one part where he was like, oh okay this kind of like solidifies that he he's leaning towards believing her and this. I think it just goes with the lie detector tests. The so just kind of the overall thing. Yeah, just yeah. the whole the whole deal. Wasn't there a whole thing in the eighties where with this hypnotic regression, where like people were remembering being molested and all stuff like that that didn't actually happen, where they were really implanting fake memories in people and, and stuff. Now that I believe, yeah, <laughs> hypnosis regression is not a. Um, uh, I say like a perfect uh, mm. science or anything, you know what I mean? So yeah, you're the, the satanic panic stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was some people that got in a lot of fucking trouble for nothing. Yeah, it's not a perfect science or anything. And the other interesting thing too is that she drew. She has a lot of pictures that she's drawn, but she drew the inside of the craft. Like during hypnosis, she drew each um, each room of the craft. 
during like debunking stuff, some engineers like looked at her pictures, you know. Or, and like, that was one of the ones we posted for the teaser pick on Friday, right? Oh, one of her drawings. The one we yeah, posted. Yeah. You know, the aliens working on her. Yeah. Working on her. <laughs> working, working her over. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Debunkers, like some engineers and stuff, like looked at these drawings that she did of like each individual room. And it made the type of UFO that she described when you piece it all together the way that she described it in hypnosis. So it doesn't prove anything, but it's still kind of interesting. Like yeah. kind of like Betty Hill's star map that she drew. It's interesting. Doesn't That's necessarily right. prove right everything, but what galaxy was that, Mike? Uh, nope, I have no idea. Was it Zeta Reticuli? Is mm-hmm. that what it is? I think uh-huh. it was Zeta. Think specifically. Nobody's going to remember that. <laughs> That's where aliens always come from. Oh, for Zeta, the most part, Zeta Reticuli. Well, that's at least where they say they come from. All right, I'll try to remember that. <laughs> Zeta Reticuli one, to be really specific. ZR one, got it. Because there's two of them. Um, she Betty, I don't know. She didn't make much money from this whole thing. She got about fifteen thousand from selling the rights to her story to Universal. She really sold herself short on that. Yeah, and I mean her whole life kind of went to shit. I mean, she ended up getting divorced from her husband over this stuff. So after he was in that bad car accident, she left him. No, she he divorced her. Oh, well. it was kind of like, hey, you're now a crazy alien person. <laughs> is what it sounded like. I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> did they actually make a movie? I don't think I don't so. I don't remember any movie. No, I don't think they ever did anything with it. Or maybe they just gave the plot points to The Matrix or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she t- she took a break on this shit and like tried to regroup her life. She moved down to Florida and got a job as a waitress. And that's where she met this Bob Luca guy who was also abducted by or claimed to have been abducted by aliens. And they just kind of hit it off, you know. So that's one good Part of the story for her, I yeah. guess, is that she found true love. love out of all of it. Yeah, down in Florida. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to work out great. But her stories after this get really... Um, because she's... Extremely typical mm. with, like, the new agey kind of bullshit. Like, we're going to destroy the planet with pollution and aliens are warning us and all this kind of stupid mm-hmm. shit. I think she's very influenced by Bob Luca. Okay. In, in her recent stuff. Because she kept this hypnosis up for another, what, 15 years or something? Up through into the 90s. Yeah, after she took a break, she got back into it. And that's where it started getting really kind of cookie cutter yeah. shit. Well, from what I read, then she remembered, you know, abductions going back to when she was seven years old and being visited by orbs and yeah, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Waking up with... Entities in her bedroom warning her of the impending death of her kids. And it isn't that kind of what Betty Hill did, didn't she? Kinda, went off the rails, yeah. Like after one look went and kind of started getting it crazier and crazier, right? With her stories, or am I making that up? Betty, but she did the UFO like circuit thing, she just did she speak, like talking to yeah. her. Yeah, I mean, she could just kept it going, but she started telling more and more outlandish tales, right? Oh, yeah, can we talk about her being kind of a joke at the end on the on the circuit? Yeah, I think, I, that's what I thought. Yeah, she became, became buddies with Travis Walton. Yeah, they were buddies. Yeah, so one I don't know. One of them wasn't a liar. What's that? I said one of them wasn't a liar. <laughs> I, I think that Betty and Dreesen, her initial story is really interesting from the whole point of view of different dimensions and 
The men- dimension thing is just will always fascinate me. I just will not be. I'm not smart enough to understand that. Also, this her story is very fun. I just don't know how much of it I believe. I do not believe this at all. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're being abducted like another 20 times starting when you're seven years old that you didn't remember any of that. I, I don't know. Well, that's where I. But that's, that's how that goes. little bulb got up in her head, Dave. They had to get that <laughs> out somehow. Well, that's where this goes off the rails. Like I said, I think she was um, influenced a lot by Bob Luca and probably other people around her. And I, so like what I'm what I what I personally think with that is that listening to Bob Luca's shit, listening to all these other people's stories on the UFO circuit, it kind of like bled together. And then she's just putting out this stuff in regression therapy at that point. You know, she's just putting a mixture out of everybody else's stories. I think that's very plausible. The initial story, it's cool as fuck. It's It's a fun story to talk about. It's something different. We haven't really gotten into like that kind of detail before. It's interesting because it's like most 99% of abduction cases or people are terrified, don't want anything to do with it. She's fucking making them ground beef. And she's sold on it thinks they're aliens so they might might have been like well we're not used to not used to people being nice to us so let's give her the full fucking tour let's, let's go <laughs> they're not used to being like minor celebs that would be what happened if they abduct ian he's like what's up guys show me around i would be terrified i've already proven that with my betty and barney hill research when I fell asleep listening to the That's right, you woke hypnosis the tapes, I had a straight dream. I dreamt exactly what he was talking about with the UFO and seeing the alien inside. You had semen extracted from you? No, I didn't. Oh. I saw the alien in the UFO and I yelled in my dream, but I yelled in real life. And then I got yelled at and was told to stop, stop to chill out with the aliens. Shut up, you asshole. Go back to bed. I was told to chill with the aliens for a while. That's hilarious. So... It's I, I mean, I don't know. There's there's credible people that believe her if it's true. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's in these other fucking dimensions? And if they are really from other dimensions, which I think is probably is a lot more likely than them being from another planet. So let me if Stanton Friedman and uh, Hynek weren't a part of this story, would you still believe it? Or is it mostly them that gives it credibility? It, to me, it's Hynek gives it the, the most credit. That's what gives Because I guess Friedman wasn't really a part of this one. Right. Yeah. Because Hynek, like I said, he was the bad guy. You know, he was the guy that was supposed to just debunk all this shit and shut it down. And then he, he flipped and, and started believing it. Yeah. And I, he never fucked with the facts or anything. He wanted the facts on everything. I guess I don't know what makes this story credible. Like compared to what if I said this happened to me tomorrow and I just made it up? Like what's what makes it credible? There's is no it the ho- is it physical. the hypnosis? Is that I, I guess, but I I don't know. Because like with Betty, she at least drew like that galaxy, right? Like they had something to be like, wow, she drew something that yeah. she didn't know about. She what happened in this story that give them like that hard proof? I think that's what you're asking, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing like that other than the. Um the all the drawings that she did and the lie detector tests but and, and that i mean every time we talk about a criminal case on this we always say lie detector tests are bullshit and i fully believe that mm. and i think that is kind of where the ufo community does kind of fuck up a little bit is how much weight they put into those you know because all it proves is that she really believes that this happened to her but yeah. that's yeah. part of it though i mean yeah, I mean, she believes believe that this, she believes that this happened to yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. So something that's a, that's part of it, and that's that's 
if, if yeah. you go down the road of Jacques Vallée and reality and stuff, he gets real trippy with that, where it's like if everybody believes it, it then becomes real. It's real to her, so it is based somewhere in reality, but that's over my head even. Hmm. So Hey, I'd like to believe this stuff. I'm not sure I'm buying this one, though. It's at least fun to talk about, yeah. I think. This is a this was a cool one. Who was the other guy we always talk about and the one who was shooting from the bushes? Oh, um... We always forget his name. God damn it. Why the fuck I forget his name again? Uh, the Golf Breeze Bob, guy. Uh, Bob Walters? Ed Walters. Ed Walters. Ed Walters. Ed Walters. <laughs> yeah, there it is. We he is it. not believable. He's not a credible no. human being. No, no not even <laughs> a little bit. They found that fucking orb in his attic and shit a couple years later. <laughs> That's right. It looks exactly it? like it. Exactly. And it was just like the two white paper plates put yeah, together. Right. <laughs> All right, Ian, you got anything else on Betty and uh, Andreessen? Uh no no I mean, the book's really interesting it's it's really cool to read the transcripts the book called again uh the injuries and affair and that was by Raymond Fowler yeah Raymond Fowler got it okay yep. check out the book if you want more on this Dave you got Very anything else on uh, Betty Andreessen or the Bible I got lots on the Bible I'll <laughs> save that for another day save that for uh, no I'm good on this your one. own spinoff podcast oh yeah where you just Bible study with Dave all right it's in the works I'll tell you it's what people, I think people would love to hear that <laughs> some. <laughs> Some. All right, we got a quick uh, few shout outs for Patreon. Uh, Amy Riggs, Shannon Martinez, Stephen Mills, uh, one of my uh, good drinking buddies, drinking pals, Jeremy Bossel, Tim Hernandez, Nick Pedergana, Kim, Brittany, and Tom Tullis. Uh, thank you guys very much for signing up for Patreon. I believe you made a wise decision. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for Patreon, um, we got the link in our uh, bios on Twitter and on Instagram, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We got uh, bonus episodes that are up there in the archive that you can check out once you become a member. And we also got that Art Bell show coming up on Halloween. So I think it would be uh, well worth it for you. We have a good time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian, what shout outs you got? Uh, for iTunes, I have one for CMSSEP, Josh Delancey, Count Mosula, and Amy Da. Thank you guys for the reviews. They're really, really good reviews. And thank you to everybody that's been listening and, and yeah. bumping up our numbers. Got on the charts a couple times. Keep bouncing yeah. on and off, but yeah, still getting some on good reviews on iTunes past couple. There's weeks. been some fun, very ones. good ones. Yeah, we haven't had our balls cut off recently yet since we were called cringy. Yeah. Well, two of us were. <laughs> Dave, you got any shout outs? Yeah. Instagram, Amy Riggs and Penham's Adventure. And from Twitter, Crimson Kagura. Amy Thanks Riggs so is much. having a big night. Amy Riggs all, is all over the all place kinds here. Of shout outs. Three of them. Um, Superstar. Yeah. All right. We're on the social medias. Uh, you can find us at Necronomapod. Be sure to check out the Patreon. And uh, we're going to have um, probably merchandise back up, some shir- shirts and, and stuff for you in a few weeks. So we'll keep you posted on that. Appreciate you guys listening. Reach out to us on the socials if you're interested. All right. You guys ready for a cool number? Cheers.